Welcome back to another episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Thank you all for continuing to tune in. This is episode 65, which means we are coming up on the all-important 69th episode of the podcast. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do, but it's going to be a special one. So, as I discussed on last week's episode, I've been giving some updates about the Russian invasion on Ukraine in previous weeks, and I'm tired of talking about it. So, as promised last week, until there's essentially a conclusion or something seriously significant that happens with that conflict, I will not be discussing it any further. Now, yes, I'm discussing it to tell you that I'm not discussing it, but I'm not actually discussing it. Makes sense? Also, that will mean that this is the first week in several weeks that you don't have to hear me jokingly play the Russian National Anthem. You're welcome. So, while I am not going to be talking about that garbage news that I've been seeing, I will tell you that I did recently see a news article pop up in my feed about COVID. A new strain. Oh no, everybody, look out, it's a new strain! Well, technically it's not. It is a second strain of a second strain. Let me try and figure this out and do the math appropriately. This is a strain called BA.2. Now, BA.1 was a variant of the Omicron variant, so a variant of a variant. And now BA.2 is another variant of the Omicron variant, or perhaps it's a variant of the BA.1 variant. I don't know. I mean, it's gotten to the point where now it's just all these little subsets and sublineages of the actual coronavirus, because God forbid anyone just say, you know what, fuck it, we're done talking about it. Let me also point out that they say that this new BA.2 variant or strain or sublineage or whatever the hell you want to call it, it is less lethal, but supposedly it has a higher chance of infecting vaccinated people. Once again, the vaccine is worthless, but that seems kind of stupid to say because we all know that we were able to get coronavirus any of the strains or the variants i don't know why i keep calling them strains same thing but we could get the variants or the original or whatever even if you're vaccinated that's been one of my problems with the vaccination all along but now with this new one you have an even higher chance of getting it and it is spreading rapidly across the u.s is it is anyone noticing that If there wasn't an article out there to tell you, would you have any friggin' clue? No. But this just goes back to the fact that right now there is a total desperation for content among the news and the media. There ain't a whole lot to talk about. COVID's kind of died down. There's the Russian invasion, but U.S. isn't really involved in it, so they don't want to talk about it that much because there isn't much to talk about from a perspective that affects the American listener or the American viewer. Biden rarely does anything that you could call even remotely newsworthy. So there goes that, you know, with Trump in office, it was a heyday for all of the media outlets. They had 24-7 more news coverage than they could handle, which is why they were so relieved when he was no longer in office that COVID could fill all of their time. But now there's not so much to talk about with COVID. And Biden's not giving them anything to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about. How about love? Louvre, 
Love, 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 I scoop it out, I can't dig it out. So yes, this is desperation, desperation, desperation. The media can suck it. So following up on another thing that I discussed last week with my sinuses and how they bent me over and raped me in my tender butthole. Yes, I know that's a weird analogy. I guess I just wanted the opportunity to use the phrase tender butthole. I don't know. It sound, maybe it's a good band name. Not sure. So overall, I mean, I'm, I'm still feeling better, but boy, my allergies are just continuing to drive me batty. Ohio is being a total dickhead right now with the weather. Back and forth. I think we're supposed to get snow on Saturday. Well, meanwhile, last week we had two days in a row that were in the low to mid 70s. Yay! Today it was like low 60s, high 50s with a lot of rain. And for some reason, when the pressure changed, Changes and the rain comes in, that really messes with my sinuses or my allergies or whatever it is. So at one point today, I did feel like I had a wet sock in my lung. So that was pleasant. So hopefully I'm not sounding horribly congested right now. I'm sure I'm a little stuffy, but I think it's better than probably the previous two weeks episodes. And I'm sure if I just got like an antibiotic that it would knock this out a lot more quickly. That's why it's probably lingering a little bit. However, I have not had health insurance for over two years. I have researched the, you know, governmental affordable health act, whatever that stuff is called. I've looked into those companies. It's garbage insurance coverage. It's essentially a plan where up to a certain dollar amount, nothing is covered. It's kind of like an HSA, except without the actual savings account attached to it. So you just have this crazy deductible, maybe upwards of 10 grand, and every little thing you do, whether it's a prescription, whether it's a little doctor visit over a little stuffy nose, all of that stuff you're going to pay full price for. No insurance coverage until you have effectively paid $10,000 worth of shit out of pocket. So if something major happens, yeah, that's good. You know, if your body gets cut in half and you have to go have it reattached or sewn together and then spend three years in the hospital recovering, then yeah, that, that plan is not so bad. But for someone who just needs an occasional antibiotic or an occasional visit to the Minute Clinic to get said antibiotic, it's garbage. I mean, it's not worth having the insurance at all because I'm still going to pay full price for everything. So for all of you who think that this universal health care idea is such a good idea, I mean, in principle, it's a good idea. Yeah, we want everybody to have access to affordable health care. What they don't tell you is affordable health care is shit. Again, it's great if all of a sudden you have a serious problem that's going to cost way more than $10,000 in bills because then everything past that $10,000 will be covered. I'm sure there's a lot of limitations and restrictions and loopholes for these insurance companies to get out of paying this or that. Insurance companies are pieces of shit. Matter of fact, just thinking about this for this episode of the podcast as an update, it made me realize that one of my upcoming episode topics all all by itself is just going to be about how insurance is a scam, whether it's auto insurance, health insurance, 
I mean, what happens if you have auto insurance, which is mandated by law? You don't have a choice. But so now the law is mandating that you pay auto insurance. And what if you never use that auto insurance for 10 years? And let's say your monthly policy was 50 bucks a month. So that would be $600 a year that you're paying for health insurance. And that's probably pretty low on the low side of things. I'm sure a lot of people, especially younger drivers, pay a lot more than that. But let's just say $600 a year, 10 years, six grand, and you never use it. Do you ever get a penny of that back? Does the insurance company ever reward you and say, you know what? You paid all this money for a just-in-case. You were a good driver and never used that just-in-case. I mean, even if it was just like, here's a 1000 bucks back, we got to keep some of it for processing and payroll, but here's a bonus for being a good little driver. No, nothing. Same with health care, all of the insurances, homeowner's insurance, all that shit. I mean, I wouldn't, I guess scam may be a hard word to use, but it is definitely a messed up and slightly rigged system, not to mention the fact that especially when it comes, well, even with healthcare now, once the government got involved, technically by law, you have to have benefits or some kind of coverage. So now both health insurance and auto insurance are regulated by the government and mandatory. So just know that while I'm sitting here complaining about my allergies, yes, there is more I could do, but no, I don't really want to pay the money. I'll just kind of wait it out until the weather warms up a little more consistently and the spring allergy season has passed. I am taking allergy medicine on a daily basis. I'm being proactive as much as possible, but also know that I will be diving deep into to the subject of insurance, health, auto, home, all that shit in an upcoming episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Oh, thank you. So when I had the idea for this week's topic, it reminded me of a teacher that I had in 10th grade, Mr. Mate. It was, I believe, his first year teaching at my high school and his first year teaching in general as a full-time teacher. He was young. He was super cool. He had, like, Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin posters up on his walls, and that was awesome to me because I was just starting to grow my hair long and really start playing guitar a lot. And getting into a lot of those classic rock bands. So it was just like this connection that you normally wouldn't have with a teacher right out of the gate. Not to mention the fact that, again, being younger, he connected, I think, with us on a little bit of a different level than, say, the old ladies teaching algebra. Uh, Mr. Schaefer, you're being inattentive and off task. Thank you, Mrs. Schmidt. But I do remember Mr. Mate early on. This might have been the first day of school. He wanted to introduce himself to us, and he was extremely painfully transparent parent and this was some kind of English or literature course I don't remember exactly the course but he explained to us that he was divorced he had a very young son that came out of that marriage and he made a comment I don't remember it verbatim but it was a comment that I never forgot now I didn't follow the advice but it was a comment I never forgot which is never mistake lust for love and I think that was his way of politely telling a bunch of sophomores in high school if you're wondering why I'm already divorced It's because I thought I loved my wife, but it turns out I just wanted to get my fuck on. 
additionally, this actually led me down a little rabbit hole where I was like, I wonder if Mr. Mate is still teaching at my old high school. So I went and did some research. I tried to search the directory of my old high school, and he wasn't there. And it's like, of course. I mean, that was decades ago. I'm sure there's a good chance he went to a different city, a different school in our city. There are just plenty of opportunities that he didn't spend his entire career at the exact same school. Then I came across an article talking about Mr. Mate's retirement from my high school in 2021. So I just missed the boat by about a year. However, thanks to the internet and complete lack of privacy that we all have, I was able to find a home address for what I think is Mr. Mate. And I made a letter and I mailed it out today just to let him know, hey, don't know if you remember me, but you were highly influential over me. I still remember the phrase that you used in class, don't mistake lust for love, and it has actually become the topic for my weekly episode this week on my podcast, Lust versus Love. So thank you, Mr. Mate, for all of the wisdom you bestowed upon me, despite the fact that I completely ignored it and went through just a slew of failed relationships in my life to the point where I'm currently single. At the age of 46, it's fine. Kind of preferring it this way. But I do hope that he reaches out and contacts me, and I would love the opportunity to catch up with him. So I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. Who knows if I do hear from him and we just seem to hit it off in a catch-up or just grab a beer or something, maybe I'll have Mr. Mate as a guest on the podcast. I'm sure it will be quite enlightening and entertaining. So on to the actual topic, lust versus love. So you know me. I like to be educational while being opinionated. So the first thing I want to do is make sure that I clearly establish the ideology for both lust and love, or rather even just the definition of lust and the definition of love. So let's look at it. So the definition of lust is a very strong sexual desire. That's pretty easy, and it makes sense. The definition of love is an intense feeling of deep affection. So now let's look at these side by side and see how very similar they are. So the definition of lust starts out with very strong, and the definition of love starts out with intense. Very strong and intense pretty much mean the same thing when it comes to a feeling or emotion. Additionally, they end with desire for lust and affection for love. And when I looked up on thesaurus.com, you can see that strong is a primary synonym for intense and desire is also a primary synonym for affection. So again, super duper close. It's very hard to separate. But let's not forget that definition of love is an intense feeling of deep affection. And I also found on jeffsdirtymindthesaurus.org that deep is a primary synonym for sex. All right, as far as I know, jeffsdirtymindthesaurus.org is a website that does not exist. I would encourage you not to even look it up. I didn't even look it up just to confirm it's not a real website. Not taking that chance with my computer. But all this to say, I mean, of course, it's very easy to get the idea of lust and love confused. They are almost the exact same thing. And at times, they are the same thing. I mean, you can be truly in love with somebody and have a sexual experience that involves lust, but also includes the emotion of love. I mean, that's what in, you know, everybody's ideal fairy tale world, that's what they want. They want to have that combination of the intense lust and mingled with that feeling of love. 
but more times than not, people are thinking they're having both and later realize that all it was was lust and that girl is batshit crazy. I never loved her, but I lusted after her with a deep affection. So, of course, when it comes to lust and attraction, you know, you've got pheromones and pheromones absolutely matter. I discussed this on my Ooh That Smell episode where I talk about, you know, the importance of two people's chemistry and body chemistry needing to kind of align in order for there to be that true physical compatibility, more so than like an actual love connection. But just to be fully educated and to fully educate you, my audience, I kind of did a drilled down lookup of what pheromones are, well, sex pheromones, and I found something that says that sex pheromones are chemical signals released by an organism to attract an individual of the opposite sex and encourage it to mate. Now, of course, that made me think, well, what about, you know, the gay community? They're sexually attracted to each other, but they're not of the opposite sex. And clearly it's not a pheromone being put off to encourage mating because those of the homosexual variety are incapable of mating. So I did a little research and I did find a study that showed that gay men responded to male pheromones very similarly to the way that heterosexual women responded to the same pheromones. So this kind of reinforces the idea that being gay or lesbian, homosexual, however you want to refer to it, that that is not just a learned behavior. You know, this there is some chemical aspect of that person's makeup. And also, if it's not something that's learned, it can't be unlearned. But in regard to the whole mating and the opposite sex thing, I mean, we are drawn to sex because subconsciously and instinctually, it promotes survival of our species. If there weren't those pheromones that would drive us to just fuck like rabbits and pop babies out left and right, well, the human species wouldn't have existed to this point. It would have died off a long time ago. So yes, pheromones, smells, chemical compatibility, all very important to a lustful connection and attraction. So from a love perspective, or rather not so much love, but actually determining how often lust is confused for love, you, let's just look at standard divorce rates. Right now, the research I did, it shows that it's still pretty much sitting around 50%. I think it's been at 50% for quite some time. However, keep in mind that just because you're married still, it doesn't mean that you have a happy or even a sexual relationship. I mean, honestly, it would not be out of the realm of possibility to think that half of married couples are unhappy, lack a complete sexual relationship, but they're still together for one reason or another, whether it's kids, finances, just straight up loneliness, boredom. So if you consider that maybe half of existing married couples aren't really in a fully loving, lustful relationship, that would mean that we're actually now down from a married perspective or those who have been married, that only about 25% of them actually found both lust and love at the same time and it worked. Now, obviously with dating and relationships, there's not going to be a whole lot of statistics on that because it's not regulated by the government like marriage with a marriage license and marriage certificate. So that's, you know, the government can easily see, okay, Tommy and Lisa, they had a marriage certificate back in 2014. They then filed for divorce 
in 2015. Put that one in the failure pile. Okay, now Chachi and Joni, they got married back in 1983, and they've never filed for divorce. Put that one in the success pile. But without there being any actual real documentation of the success rate of relationships when no legality or paperwork was involved, I would have to assume that it is much lower than 50% on the success rate. I mean, really, just think about it. Like, let's say that you date four different people before you meet, finger quotes, the one. The person you think that you're in love with and you want to spend the rest of your life with. That would give you a 20% success rate. Now, that doesn't mean that you thought you loved all four of those people, but it's not uncommon. Because if there was any sexual component involved or any lust, it's very possible that you mistook that lust for love. But just in general, from a success rate of, you know, if you get to the point of a date in the first place, there has to be a reason or some kind of attraction there. But yes, I've been, as they say, in love many times, which kind of eliminates the idea that, you know, love is a one-time thing. Honestly, I'm not even sure sure that the human species is supposed to be monogamous. In fact, I would kind of lean in the opposite direction. I think the idea that the majority of the global population has only slept with one person in their entire life is extremely low, which would imply we are not monogamous by nature. We are by possession. We are by ownership. And, you know, with jealousy or just the idea that you're my wife, it's, it's like ownership. And no, I'm not saying everybody needs to walk around and put an upside-down pineapple on their front porch and become swingers. I'm just saying you don't necessarily need to feel bad if you've had an attraction to multiple people at once. Or you've told multiple people, I love you, through the course of your lifetime. It's okay. It's natural. Not only have I been in love many, many times in my life and said those words to multiple women, I've been married multiple times. I'm not going to get into details about that, but let's just say there's excessive paperwork filling the filing cabinets at the Franklin County Courthouse. And as I mentioned, here I am, still currently single, and I might be until I die. And I don't care. Kind of had it with the whole relationship thing. And I also know that I'm the type of person that I love being in love. So to avoid finding myself in another situation where I am in love or think I'm in love and turns out I'm not or wasn't, I just kind of have to cut myself off at the pass and be self-disciplined and say, nope, not even going to entertain a date. Sorry, ladies. So we've discussed you know, marriage, relationships, love, saying I love you, and then, you know, on kind of the other end of the spectrum would be casual sex or casual dating or friends with benefits, things like that, where there isn't an expectation for an emotional relationship to occur, and it is strictly just knocking boots, bumping and grinding, playing a little game of hide the salami. And while casual sex, casual dating has, I'm sure, always been a thing to some extent. I mean, more so in the last, you know, century or two as A, the population has grown and B, technology has been introduced. I mean, technology is definitely responsible from my perspective to what I would think is a huge increase to casual sex in the current day and age. I tried to do a little research about that, and all I found was a study in 2017 that said that basically, like, 
for women, the percentage of women that said they had casual sex was down by like 10 percentage points from like 33 to 22, and men was pretty similar. I think that's a bunch of malarkey. I think people just aren't being honest when they're asked these questions in these studies or these surveys, or they're just not getting the right sampling of people. Because if you look at Tinder and dating apps and just that stuff alone, I mean, there's got to be a lot more people knocking boots with no intention of ever seeing that person again, or definitely not ever telling them I love you, or being in a relationship, or getting married. I'll be honest, I don't use any of that stuff because I don't like the philosophy and the ideology behind it. I think it's absolutely disgusting to treat people, human beings, like they're able to be judged or quantified based simply on what they think their best profile picture is. Because that's what happens in these apps. People see that first picture and within one second make a decision. Nope. I don't know if people give it more thought when they say, yep. I would like to think that they do, but I would also like to think that people would give it more than a second when they say, no. Yep, 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 yep. And let's be honest, pictures aren't necessarily a true representation of that person or their beauty. And I'm not talking just beauty on the inside, I'm talking about their actual external beauty. I have met a lot of very attractive people who just suck at taking pictures. And you see their pictures and you're like, and then you meet them in person and you're like, wow. She's hot, but there's also a lot of people out there that are a little bit, pardon the term, fugly, but they know how to take a picture from eight feet above, hiding all of their chins, using a variety of filters to smooth out all of the blemishes, and a complete misrepresentation of what they actually look like. So, making that snap judgment on someone just based on one picture, let me assure you there's a very low likelihood that you're getting exactly what you think you're getting based on that picture. But you have no problem treating these people like cattle. As I said, I don't use any of these. I did try online dating in the past. Didn't go so well and really just kind of soiled me on even the idea. So I will never try anything like that again. I would never really have any interest in using Tinder because I, I just don't think I'm capable of having casual sex. As I mentioned, I am an emotional person. I do like the human connection. I love love. So even if I went into a night where we were playing a game of hide the salami and nothing more, I know that there's a good chance by the end of that night that I'm going to mistake lust for love and I'm going to start catching feelings, as the kids say these days. Now, while I could not find what I considered to be accurate stats on casual sex, I was able to find some statistics about Tinder. And Tinder is pretty much the be-all, end-all that I know of, of casual sex. I'm sure there's plenty of other apps out there in the same vein of Tinder with a different name, but probably the same kind of methodology for how people are selected or not selected. Yep, 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 yep. But I will tell you that in 2020, Tinder reported 75 million monthly users. That's a lot. So you're telling me that casual sex is down? Because guess what? The majority of people on Tinder, they're not looking for love. They would go use a dating site. Tinder is a boot-knocking site. So, in 2020, 75 million monthly users. In 2021, they reported 65 billion 
with a B, billion matches. These aren't just users. These are matches, like two people that both said yes to each other and are considered to be finger quotes compatible. 65 billion. That is almost 10 times the population of the entire planet. So apparently, as far as Tinder is concerned in the year 2021, every single person on this planet could have nine to 10 compatible matches at any given moment. But since, you know, they only had 75 million users, a far cry from the entire population of the planet, that means that on average, the actual users were having just a massive amount of matches to reach 65 billion. It's stupid. Again, another reason why I have no interest in following those dumbass algorithms. It's not real. If I ever meet anybody ever again in my life that I have any interest in, it's going to be somebody that I actually met. Not somebody that lives three states away or even in a different city. It just doesn't, you know, if you're not in the same city, what's the point? That's not a match. You're not compatible. If I can't spit on you, I mean, not that I would spit on somebody that I cared for, but I just mean you don't have to be in arm's reach. But if I can't hit you with a loogie. All right, maybe that's a bad comparison. If I can't drive to hit you with a loogie in under 45 minutes, not a match. Thank you for clearing that up, loogie shooter. You know, another thing about casual sex is I think it desensitizes us to actual love or falling in love because the focus is only on hiding the salami. So overall, I, you know, I think it's very common or I would assume that it's very common that people often confuse lust for love. It's always going to start out with lust. I'm sure it's very rare that someone thinks they're in love first without having any lustful thoughts. So lust will come first. And those feelings of love could come on the heels of lust without there actually being anyone acting on that lust. That's why a lot of people, I'm sure, in long distance text based only relationships You know, the ones that aren't a real match that don't count because they don't live close enough to drive and shoot a loogie. But I'm sure plenty of people have told someone, I love you, without ever meeting that person or seeing them in person. And that's a little weird. I'm not sure that's actually possible. I guess the mind thinks that it is, but in my opinion, from what love actually is, I don't think that's a reality. Now, I'm sure you could lust over someone from afar, but I have no doubt that in almost every instance, it starts with some level of lust. And then those lines get blurred. We have a hard time recognizing the difference between strong and intense, affection and desire. I bet that affection is pretty deep. And trust me, there are are plenty of times that I wish I was just capable of casual sex. That would make my life a lot easier. That's the one downfall to being like at a point now where I'm like, you know what? I'm okay, at least from my current mindset, I'm okay going through the rest of my life without ever being in a serious relationship again. I I just am. Doesn't mean I don't ever want to hide my salami again. Sorry, mom. I just don't think I'm capable of that. And I'm so terrified that I will fail and I will catch those feelings. And then I will find myself 
in another situation that a year, two years, three years later, I'm going to look back and be like, well, that was a waste of time. But at least you got to play a lot of games with your salami. So I'm not asking anybody who does casual sex, Tinder, anything like that. Not asking you to change your ways. I'm not naysaying those people. Again, with Tinder and the quick swipe methodology, not a big fan of that. I think it's a very, very shitty way to treat people. And just judging people, you know, we all grew up hearing, don't judge a book by its cover. And we don't want people to judge us quickly based only on our appearance. We feel like that would be extremely unfair. Get to know me. But, you know, we do the same thing to other people. And we've all been desensitized. I've discussed this in the past on previous episodes and how the media puts all the beautiful people out there in movies and TV shows and magazines and creates this expectation for what beauty is in all of these fictitious scenarios. So again, not asking anyone to change their ways, but I would caution you that the next time you feel like you are falling in love or you have fallen in love, really take some time to think about that. I want you to think about the fact if my partner's genitals were completely destroyed in a in a horrible wood shop accident tomorrow and they were never able to be used again and now sex is off the table forever, does that change the way that you feel about the future with that person? If even remotely yes, there is a good chance that you are in lust, not in love. Once again, I want to thank everybody for continuing to tune in. Please tell everybody, please share the podcast with your friends. If you have any desire to follow me on social media, my horrible, almost completely inactive social media presence, you are more than welcome to do so by following me on Twitter or Facebook at Jeff Becomes Jeff. Until next time, I'm Jeff. Let's give them something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about. How about love, 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 Love it, love it, scoop it, I can't dig it out. And I'm Jeff. Yep, 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 yep. Good night. to the devil and I prayed and I showed him the mess that I've made and I cried and I cried and I cried a million times over but the devil just laughed in my face I went to the God of fire and said can you turn the heat a little higher cause I've been burned and I've been burned Time's over, but he just covered me with water. So I went to the Lord of the sea. He said, Won't you come wash over me? Cause the roads and the woods have been winding a million times over, but she receded from me. And I
to the devil again He said, I don't really want to be your friend I've been tried and I've cried and I'm done crying And then I laughed in his face And then I saw the guy on fire He said, you don't need to keep me alive Cause I've been burned so many times I'm like lava And then I covered him with water From the lake Don't